Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. President Trump loves to build suspense, and that's exactly what he's trying to do with the Supreme Court pick. Plus, will Mike Pompeo leave North Korea with more then a handshake. And if the U.S. government knows where all the separated children are, then why are they testing for DNA? This is the State of America tonight. We'll make a decision on the United States Supreme Court, the new justice that'll be made over the next few days. He gave us a list, so I would expect the name would come from that list. The people on that list are highly qualified. I would love President Trump to pick somebody in the mainstream of American views who are going to hold up years and years and years of precedent. I do not see Roe versus Wade being overturned. And I know there's conservatives out there that want it to be overturned, but I just don't see it happening. I'm Kate Baldwin, live in New York. To our viewers watching around the world, this is State of America tonight. It is one of President Trump's favorite things, building up suspense and a big reveal. He's trying to do that once again with the one of the biggest decisions any president can make. Who to nominate to the Supreme Court? A decision that not only can define his president, his legacy, but also change the shape of American life for decades. Such an important decision. And we're going to give you a great one. We're going to announce it on Monday. And I think you'll be very impressed. These are very talented people, brilliant people, and I think you're going to really love it, like Justice Gorsuch. Sources tell CNN that the president is done interviewing candidates for the job to replace retiring Justice Anthony Kennedy, and he's narrowed the list to two or three. One report even claims that the president could scoop himself and reveal the pick before the White House's planned announcement Monday night. But again, you just never know. The president is nearing a decision if he hasn't already made it. Now, he's not, of course, going to reveal that exact decision because he wants to keep suspense uh, for this building. Suspense or not, it still may all come down to one critical vote, this Republican. Some of the people on the list I have not vetted at all at this point. Uh, One of them I voted against years ago. Uh, And I would have to do a great deal more work on many of them. And across the aisle, Democrats are preparing for battle. Eleven months was not enough time for President Obama's nominee to be considered before an election. Uh, Leader McConnell is going to try to get this done in just a few months. Uh, That's hypocritical. We use every tool we have at our disposal uh, in order for the American people to know what's at stake. But before we go any further, we are going to join newsrooms around the world, taking a moment now to honor the five journalists who were gunned down at this exact time last week at a small newspaper in Maryland. The Capitol Gazette, it happened at 2.33 Eastern time one week ago. Please join us for a moment of silence.
Thank you so much for that. And as any journalist would want another journalist to do, we soldier on. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo is headed to North Korea right now with a simple task, but one that is anything but simple to accomplish. Get North Korea to follow through on its promise. The pressure is really on to deliver on the kind of vague promises made in Singapore, the good vibes between President Trump and Kim Jong-un, because now uh, the credibility of this summit kind of rests on what happens in Pyongyang. It was less than a month ago that President Trump declared the nuclear summit in Singapore a success and also declared North Korea is no longer a nuclear threat. But then just this week, the big reveal of an analysis being shared by U.S. intelligence agencies that they don't believe Kim has any intention of giving up his nuclear program completely, which would make the president's declaration all the more challenging, of course, especially if you're working on the timeline as laid out by his national security advisor. We have developed a program. I'm sure that uh, Secretary of State uh, Mike Pompeo will be discussing this with the North Koreans in the near future about uh, really how to dismantle all of their WMD and ballistic missile programs in a year. That was Sunday. A few days later, a spokeswoman for the State Department suggests not so fast. I know um, some individuals have given timelines. We're not going to provide a timeline for that. A lot of work is left to be done, certainly. We go into this eyes wide open, very clear, with a very clear view of these conversations. And just today, a former director of Obama's National Security Council suggests not so fast really is looking more like not at all. First, you have to know what's there. Then you have to begin a painstaking process of uh, beginning to account for it and dismantle it. Another painstaking process, it appears, is reuniting families at the border. We're going to be signing an executive order. We're going to also count on Congress, obviously, but we are signing an executive order in a little while. We're going to keep families together. That is what the president promised after his zero-tolerance policy at the border created the crisis of children being separated from their parents. Well, now the government is up against a a court order deadline to get families back together next week. By Tuesday, children ages five and under are supposed to be reunited with their parents. And then by July 26th, all children must be reunited with their parents. But new today... Very few signs that they're doing that at all. The federal agency in charge of these kids just told reporters that they estimate now that they've had under 3,000 kids in government custody. So that leaves everyone really wondering, what's changed? Is that now worse than the 2,047 kids they said they had in custody last week? Or are they making progress? We don't know because, once again, they aren't giving any detail. They're not answering any questions. We only know that the federal government is now using DNA samples to match kids with their families. Here's the secretary in charge of it all. We have to confirm that these are, in fact, their parents, and we have to confirm that they are appropriate people to be having custody of these children. We're doing DNA testing on everybody who claims to be the parent of one of our children to confirm that. But it's not sitting well. That is not sitting well with immigrant advocacy groups on the ground. This has caused, uh, without question, a lot of outrage here from advocacy groups for immigrants, saying that this is yet another example and evidence that the Trump administration never had plans to begin with and still don't have clear plans as to how they're going to go about reuniting uh, these children and their parents. A doctor who's cared for some of these children in detention says at this point, though, DNA might be the only option. 
Well, I hope that we work diligently to get these kids back to their parents. Um, and I think, um, unfortunately, if records haven't been kept, DNA is probably going to be our only way of doing that and ensuring these kids get back to a safe home. And another sign that this crisis isn't going away, a protester climbed onto the base of the Statue of Liberty yesterday during the 4th of July holiday to protest these family separations. She effectively shut down access to the landmark for hours. She was taken into custody and charged. Lady Liberty is still standing. Coming up for us, let's talk more about this. Whether you like the president's position on immigration or not, do not blink because he's likely to change. Give him another minute, he's likely to change again. The panel weighs in next. In the past month, President Trump has backed the Republican immigration bill. Then he told Republicans not to waste their time on it, then endorsed the bill in a tweet, then tweeted again that he never told Republicans to vote for it. And today he told Republicans to pass, an, pass a bill on immigration. Does it make sense? The panel tonight. Andre Bauer is a CNN political commentator and the former Republican lieutenant governor of South Carolina. Karine Jean-Pierre is here. She's a, she's a senior advisor for MoveOn.org. Matt Lewis is a CNN political commentator and senior columnist at The Daily Beast. And David Zwerdlick is a CNN political commentator and assistant editor at The Washington Post. Thank you all so much for being here. Uh, David, the number of children that have been separated from their parents, as now estimated by HHS, is possibly... Yeah under, they're saying under 3,000, so possibly somewhere around 3,000 kids. That could be more, that's more than they've talked about previously. We don't know if that means progress or they're falling behind. Regardless, it's unsettling. I mean, do they still have no handle on where these kids are, who they should be linked up with, and how they're going to get them back together? Yeah, Kate, unsettling is a good word. Look, uh, I think we need to know more information to know whether it's the case that it's under 3,000 and a number that's coming down from a higher number before or whether that's sort of a static number. We know that there are kids ranging in ages from, you know, under five to all the way up to teenage years. The problem we see here, though, is that the administration, this suggests that the administration uh, was caught off guard by their own policy. They went ahead with the policy first, the zero tolerance separating family from uh, from parents from children without having a crisp plan in place to reunite them and also to track which kids go with which parents or guardians. And I think that's both a problem in terms of policy and execution and reflects what the administration's priorities were. It was to show a get tough approach and not to have an orderly uh, resolution of some very tricky issues at the border, Kate. Yeah, I mean, Andre, at, its, at the very least, is, is what David is saying spot on, which is that this shows that the administration from the beginning of zero tolerance had zero plan for how to do, get that, put that in place, and then zero plan when he si signed his executive order to quote-unquote fix it of how to fix it. Well, you know, it looks like they have some growing pains. They are working through it. But the big plan is, is to stop illegal immigration. It's to stop it at the border. It's to discourage people from even coming over here. But there is a worry. And we know that some of these folks actually aren't with their parents. And so that's a concern, too. I want to make sure that if we're putting children back with the adults they came with, that, in fact, these are their actual parents and not coyotes trying to get these people over for a multitude of other things like drugs or uh 
opportunities that they could actually be preyed upon. And so we want to make sure that, and so, you know, I don't know what the answer is. I know the DNA thing. I don't like giving any more information to the government than I have to, but I am concerned that we, we do link children back up with their real parents. Yeah, but Matt, I, I'm a little bit caught by what Andre is saying of like growing pains here. I mean, it's one thing to call it growing pains, but if you kind of flesh it out, when a growing pain is separating a toddler from their parent and they're no clue where they are for more than a month, that seems slightly more than a growing pain. Right. Look, I think that, I mean, Andre makes a valid point that we don't necessarily know that the people who brought these children here are their parents. And if you had perfect records, if we knew, if we had been keeping meticulous records of who came with whom and where we were putting them, Mm -hmm. it still might make sense. You could argue to do the DNA testing. The problem is we have no confidence that that's the case. In fact, I think it's pretty, it seems pretty likely based on everything that we've seen and the lack of transparency that David is also correct that uh, there was a shoot first, ask questions later mentality where they wanted to send a message at zero tolerance on the border. And now this is actually maybe the only way they have of reuniting parents with their children is to do DNA testing. Like, Kareen, where are you on this? If this is the only way to make sure that the kids are getting back with their parents, I know immigrant advocacy groups are really, really concerned about maybe the, the government having some kind of database of DNA of folks. But I don't know. What do you do? It's hard. It's a tough one because giving up your DNA is not something that anybody wants to do, as Matt was just mentioning himself. And it's not like these kids can even give consent. Exactly. That's another part of it, too, because they're so young. Uh, they can't even give consent to do this. But we have to do everything that we possibly can to reunite uh, these kids. Just think about it. Like yesterday, we were celebrating, many of us were celebrating Fourth of July, having barbecues with our families, and thousands of kids across the country were separated for the, from their parents. They shouldn't be. That's abhorrent. It's inhumane what we're seeing happening right now. And just to touch on a point that you mentioned earlier uh, about not knowing the numbers, one of the things that we learned from a news report last week is that this program, this zero, this awful inhumane policy was happening before it was officially uh, put into place. Before May, we learned that uh, there was a pilot program going on, that that's why they're not sure how many kids have been separated Mm. from their parents. There could be, they could be in the 4,000s in this news report that we saw last week. And at the end of the day, what this is showing is either the incompetence of this administration or they just never cared and they never put a plan just in the beginning to reunify these these kids to their parents. And that is not that shouldn't be the case at Uh, all. So when it comes to the broader conversation, then, if they get through this crisis, and I'm not sure they're going to be able to get through this crisis without Republicans in the majority doing something about it. But, David, what is a Republican to do, though, as I start off the segment listing out the various positions that the president's taken um, on passing anything on immigration? Um, I mean, it has changed so much day by day. What are they to do with it? Or is that letting if, if you just say Republicans can't do anything about it because they don't know what the president's position is, is that letting them off the hook a little bit because they could just pass something they believe in and just send it to the president? 
Well, sure, Kate, I think you've, you've, you've got it spot on there, right? If Republican members of Congress were using their Article I authority as the legislative branch of government, they would pass the law, put it to the president. Remember, the president's own party controls both houses of Congress, and then either negotiate with the president to find something that he would sign or, you know, let, let the president veto something. But instead, they've sort of gone around the bend and over the backboard so many times trying to get something that will please President Trump that they'll get guaranteed that he'll sign that they've wound up with nothing. And the president has been no help on this because he keeps changing position. The reason he keeps changing position is that President Trump has three different traits that we've now seen clearly over the past year and a half. He wants to win and he's not sure what a win looks like. Number two, uh, he he likes to be the tough guy. And number three, he also likes to be the benevolent Trump loves the kids. Uh, who's your daddy guy? And you can't be all three in this situation. That's why we're here. I'm curious to see who wins out in that internal struggle. I'm not sure I, I want to see it play out in a messy fashion, though, real time. But that may be what we're looking at. <laughs> Guys, we're going to stick on this. But we've got much more to talk about when we come back. Speaking of Republicans, Republicans rooting for Democrats to win now. Are we in the twilight zone? We might have been here for a while now. Or maybe it is just the state of the Republican fight right now. Where are the Republicans headed these days? That's next. Should I stay or should I go? Should I stay or should I go now? Is that the 1982 hit from The Clash, or is that the question facing every Republican right now? I ask not only because I love a good song, but because that is what a former diehard Republican is asking in a scathing opinion piece in The Washington Post today. Columnist Max Boot became the latest to say the GOP of Donald Trump is a party that he can no longer support, writing this in part. A vote for the GOP in November is also a vote for egregious obstruction of justice, rampant conflicts of interest, the demonization of minorities, the debasement of political discourse, the alienation of America's allies, the end of free trade and the appeasement of dictators. This is a Republican saying this. He added, like post-war Germany and Japan, the Republican Party must be destroyed before it can be rebuilt. The panel is back with me. Matt Lewis, what is your take on this? I mean, is Max Boot right? This is Donald Trump's party, and for every conservative, you need to decide if you're going to stay or you're going to go, and putting your head in the sand is no longer an option? Well, first, I think, obviously, I mean, this, this, is, uh, this is something that some people are wrestling with, but almost the kinds of people who are wrestling with this are not rank-and-file Republican voters. This is, you know, George Will and John Ziegler and Max Boot. And so what are they if they're not rank-and-file Republican voters? Well, they're not rank-and-file. These are... Some would say, you know, opinion leaders, conservative mm-hmm. elites. That I mean, I'm you know, I'm I'm a writer too, so I'm sort of in that <laughs> camp too. You're not Maybe not. That. <laughs> George Will is up here, and I'm you know here. But um, so this this is really a question that has to do with intellectuals, not rank and file voters. But it's still an important question, and I think it's really debatable. You know, on one hand, you could argue that the only way to teach Donald Trump a lesson and, and to get the party back, the party of Ronald Reagan that I, that I knew and loved, 
is for Republicans to lose. That will force them to have a come to Jesus moment and finally change. Uh, but I think you could make another argument that says, look, we're about to get a great Supreme Court justice here. You know, uh, if if Donald Trump picks somebody like Neil Gorsuch again, then if you're a conservative, if you're an old school Reagan conservative, you can't do much better than that. And do you really want to elect Democrats who believe in a whole bunch of things, even though we don't like Trump? The Democrats believe in a lot of other stuff that we don't believe in. So this is just a real, I, I find it a, a good ethical sort of strategic question. I don't know what the answer is, actually. Uh, but, uh, Andre, what's your take? Because Boot also puts it this way uh, for conservatives. You used to belong to a conservative party with a white nationalist fringe. Now it's a white nationalist party with a conservative fringe. Yeah, I, I, look, I get his guy didn't win for president. The Republican Party has continually grown. It's, it's continuing to bring new folks into the fold. But You think this is I, growing, I read, not shrinking and shifting. When, when I read his article, I couldn't find anywhere in there other than he said he was for tax breaks where he was really what I consider a Republican. Many of the things Donald Trump's doing is exactly what Republicans have wanted to see done for a long, have seen, have wished someone would have done. When I was a Republican in the Senate, I watched a lot of folks change when the party became more Republican in the state of South Carolina. So many of the committee chairs switched parties, but they really didn't philosophically change. They changed for self-preservation. And so you continue to see big government handled from a bunch of folks that said they were Republicans. So, so often you have these folks that are right up here now in Washington, right where I sit, they call themselves Republicans, but they're big spenders. They want to continue to grow the government at an unbelievable level. They want to continue to support other countries when we can't pay our own bills. They don't worry about deficits. And so a lot of folks that are deficit hawks like myself, we want to see the Republican do what Republicans, since I was a kid in the 70s, really did. David, I want you to jump hey, in, but I just a point of quick? order. I don't see Donald Trump trying to tighten the belt so much in terms of right. the, on the spending front. David, go ahead. No, that's exactly what I was going to say. Uh, uh, President Trump and Republicans cut taxes but uh, extended the deficit. I wonder what Andre says about that because, I mean, I, could, I can agree with Andre and Matt that Trump is doing some things that Republican voters like, but s- shrinking government or going to a small government, less statist approach is not really it, is it? Well, he has. Number one, we're not in, supporting in what, give as, me an as issue. much. Well, he got rid of UNESCO. He's Paris Accord agreements. He's continuing to say we're going to address this trade deficit. He's continuing to say we're not going to support all these being, countries wait, wait. that don't but support us. Being, being, these are all we're going to do. Is is not, all of these are costing us money. All of them are costing us money. And you continue to see that we're not going to support everybody else in the world before we pay our own bills. And okay, so that's Kareen, a great thing. Kareen, <laughs> since I know you got a dog in this fight, or not. Yeah, but yes. tell me, what does the Democratic Party look like with Max Boot and George Will and Matt Lewis joining you with Bernie Sanders right there as well? Well, here's the thing. We are we we are actually a, a growing party. We're you know, when you look at uh, when you look at Donald Trump and what he's doing to Republican Party is that he's only focusing on his small base. He has not governed as president. He hasn't governed to the 60 percent of people who, who don't support him, who, who could bring in and grow and get that support. He hasn't done that at all. I mean, look, the Republican Party is the is now the Trump Party. And Mitch McConnell and Paul Ryan has taken the party over the cliff. And 
and that is what they've done. Let's not forget, Charlottesville was just almost, it's, it's about to be a year ago, and he doubled down. We, we found out how racist and bigoted he was then. Yes, the Republican Party on the Hill leadership didn't walk away. They stayed with him. Just most recently, we we're talking about the inhumane policy of separating kids from their parents, immigrant kids from their parents. The Republicans have not walked away. Which the former they're doubling president down. They're did, voting. The they're way. voting with. They're voting. They're voting in lockstep with him. And this is at the same time as he was doing that, he was calling them animals and infestations. So, I'm still so this ask is the, the president question. that we have. This does is the, the Republican ends, president. Does the ends justify the means? And let's just finish with class. Should I stay or should I go? And that means yes, we all should go because it's the end of the show. Great to see you guys. Thanks so much. I really appreciate Thanks, it. Kate. This is day 532 of President Trump's administration. It's also 124 days until the midterm elections. That's the state of America tonight. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.